And welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Everybody and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So much to talk about today as Jean-Gabriel Pajot makes his Islanders debut and the Isles go to overtime with the New York Rangers in an exciting game at the Nassau Coliseum. We'll break it all down for you. Of course, we have our weekly farm report. We've got this date in Islanders history. And we'll talk a little bit more about the state of the Islanders after the trade deadline and where all the dust settles. But first of all, you know, that tough loss in overtime to the Rangers, but a great hockey game between these two rivals. Now, before we get to that, if you want to chime in, have a comment, question, a topic you'd like us to discuss Please feel free to send us an email, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You could also follow us on Twitter and contact us via Twitter. The show's Twitter address, at LockedOnIsles, and my Twitter address is IceWars, or at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I, and we will keep you up to date on all things New York Islanders. All right, let's start off with this game. The fans electrified as they normally are uh, when the Rangers and Islanders get together at the Coliseum, and it was the Islanders coming out strong early on in this hockey game, getting realistically the first six shots on goal, and the taking you know the game to. The New York Rangers. Now, the goaltenders, Alexander Georgiev for the Rangers, while Varlamov, Simeon Varlamov, making his sixth straight start for the Islanders. The Islanders scratching Noah Dobson, Ross Johnston, Tom Cunackle, and Andrew Ladd in this game. So, uh, Derek Broussard did return to action. Now, Andy Green... Early in the first period, uh, takes a check and ends up leaving the hockey game. Green playing exactly three minutes and 24 seconds of action in this one. And again, the Islanders down to essentially five defensemen for a large portion of the game. And having that problem is exactly what the Islanders were trying to avoid by acquiring Andy Green in the first place. 
Islanders doing a good job throughout that first period of being aggressive, of going out on the forecheck. They really did control play and really were taking a lot of shots uh, in this first period. They did pretty much everything they wanted to do except put the puck behind Georgiev, and he did a really good job of keeping the Rangers in this hockey game. Islanders got the first power play of the game. Brendan Lemieux off for hooking Otto Koivula at 14-15, but the Islanders unable to cash it in. And then about a minute after the power play ends, Artemi Panarin, the thorn in the side of the Islanders in an earlier game between these two teams, scores his 32nd goal of the year from Ryan Lindgren and Tony D'Angelo at 17:02, and the Rangers took the one nothing lead. Nice pass, cross-ice pass by Lindgren to set the play up at the end of the first period, and it was a well-played hockey game. Islanders outshooting the Rangers 15-7, but trailing by a score of one to nothing. And that was uh, certainly a frustrating first period. Look, if you're an Islander fan, you're frustrated that, again, the team struggled to put the puck in the net when they had a dominant period going on. But you got to be pleased with the offensive output, something that this team has lacked, at least as far as, you know, controlling the tempo, getting a lot of good quality scoring chances. And those scoring chances continued early into the second period. Eberly with a very good chance from the right circle. But Georgiev, again, comes up with the save. And he just kept making saves. Uh, Bailey had a good scoring chance a little bit later on in the period. Koivula and Dalcol were, you know, in the crease area doing exactly what you want those kind of players to do. But again... Georgiev keeps coming up big, and no matter what, you know, he stopped a slap shot by Pulak, stopped a slap shot by Boychuk. It was tough to, to beat Georgiev throughout the first half of this hockey game. Then, the Rangers add to their lead. Uh, Brandon Lemieux takes a shot. It is tipped by Greg McKegg, and McKegg's fourth goal of the year Adam Fox gets the secondary assist. Time of the goal, 7.48. And the Rangers had a 2 to nothing lead. And, you know, not looking so wonderful right there for the New York Islanders. But the Islanders bounce back. And who gets the goal but Jean-Gabriel Pajot. His 25th, which, by the way, leads all Islanders players. From Pulak and Bailey, time of the goal, 17:04, and look, a hard, wide shot by Pulak. The rebound comes to Pajot just beyond the crease. He knocks it down, puts it in the net, and the place just exploded as Pajot scores in his debut. The crowd gets back into it after 40 minutes. It was two to one Rangers. Islanders out shooting. The Rangers 31-20 to through 40 minutes. The Rangers had some good scoring chances late in the period, but Varlamov came up big, kept it a one-goal game, and that's what it looked like 
heading into the third period. All right, when we come back, we'll break down the third period, talk a little bit more about where the Islanders are after the trade deadline, and we'll have this date in Islanders history and our weekly farm report. Lots more to talk about here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, things heated up in the third period. Islanders had an early power play chance when Philip Cheadle hooked Nick Letty at 219. Islanders unable to get anything going on that power play. But then here's what happens. Jacob Truba levels Michael Dalcol. Uh, Dalcol totally looking down, did not expect the hit. He was vulnerable. And who comes in? to defend his new teammate, but Jean-Gabriel Pajot. Pajot and Truba dropped the gloves, and Pajot, pretty much his day ended right there. The penalties, as assessed uh, at this point, Pajot uh, and Truba each get five for fighting, but Pajot also got a two-minute instigator and a ten-minute misconduct, so his game came to an end. He has the fight and the goal. Only needed an assist to get that Gordie Howe hat trick. But if you're an Islander fan, look, the guy scores a goal. He had some good chances. And then he defends a teammate the way he defended Dal Cole. That is more than what you could ask in a first game. And uh, he is out for the rest of that third period, which obviously was uh, disappointing for the Islanders to lose this new player. They, you know, both players who they acquired at the trade deadline by the early part of the third period, they were out of the game. Now, the Rangers extend their lead to 3-1 to one on a goal by Brett Howden, who tipped Brendan Smith's shot in past Varlamov at 9.34. Secondary assist to Ryan Lindgren, and it was 3-1 Rangers and things weren't looking all that good for the Islanders. The Islanders got a power play opportunity uh, when Ryan Strom was called for tripping Scott Mayfield at 12.30. Islanders appeared to have scored just before that power play, but Anders Lee was ruled to have interfered with Georgiev and the Islanders' challenge. The replay review still says no goal, and the Rangers got a power play. But Strom got called for tripping, four-on-four situation, and then the Islanders get this brief power play at the end, and that's where they cash in. Jordan Eberle, his 14th, on the power play, a backhand shot, Barzal and Lee with the helpers, and it's a one-goal game. At 14:23, five and a half minutes roughly left for Eber, uh, for Barzal. Rather, the assist is his 200th career NHL point. Islanders continue to put on some pressure. They pull Varlamov with about a minute 40 remaining in the third period, and with four uh, with 17.9 seconds left, Devontae takes a shot. It is redirected. By Brock Nelson. Nelson, his 23rd from Taze and Barzal. Time of the goal, 1942. The crowd enthusiastic here as the Islanders tie the game and force overtime. And that was a big, much needed point for the New York Islanders. 
But in overtime, it took just 28 seconds. Mika Zabinijad, his 29th from Panarin, and that was the end of the game. Rangers come away with the 4-3 victory, but the Islanders get a valuable point and have to be uh, pleased, to say the least, with their overall offensive performance, it was certainly better. They got 45 shots on goal in this game, and if not for Georgiev's 42 saves, uh, the Islanders would have been in really, really uh, very good shape. Uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, the goal, 17 penalty minutes, two shots on goal, a plus one, 71% from the faceoff circle, that's 10 out of 14 and he had 12 minutes, 7 seconds of ice time before the uh, penalties removed him from the last three quarters of that third period. Looking at the Islanders statistically, multiple point game for Matthew Barzal, his two helpers. The plus minus, though, Anthony Bavillier, a minus three in this game. Jordan Eberle, who is heating up, he had the goal had six shots on goal, Bailey had five, and as far as hits are concerned, Matt Martin leads the way with four hits in just seven minutes and 31 seconds of ice time. Taze leads all Islanders with 26 minutes, 28 seconds on the ice, Pulak 25-23, and then Letty 22-39, Mayfield 22-24. So again, with Green out of the lineup in the first period, the defensemen all had to do extra duty. Uh, as far as forwards go, three Islander forwards above the 20-minute mark. Barzal with 24.02, Lee with 22.50, Eberly 20 minutes and 16 seconds. Uh, blocked shots in this game, four for Ryan Pulak to pace the Islanders. Look, you can't be happy with the fact that they lose this hockey game and the Rangers creep one point closer to the Islanders, but you have to be happy with the offense. You have to be happy with the number of shots they got. You have to be, again, happy with the resiliency of this team down 3-1 to one midway through the third period and then getting the two goals, including one in the closing 17 seconds plus to force overtime and get the point, a lot of encouraging signs uh, for the Islanders in this game. And when you look at the shot chart, boy, did the Islanders get a lot of shots from the slot area just outside the crease in between the circles. They really played a solid offensive game. And Georgiev was by far the difference maker. Meanwhile, Barry Trotz not happy with the hit by Truba on Michael Dalcol. He said that he was a headshot on an unsuspecting player, and he was pretty confident also that he was going to win the uh, challenge on the goalie interference call against Lee, but ne that neither of those calls go his way, and the Islanders, again, falling in overtime by a score of 4-3. to three. Let's talk a little bit about where the New York Islanders are after the trade deadline. Right now, 
they are talent-wise able to compete with any team in the Eastern Conference. But that being said, would the Islanders be favorites? No. Against the top teams in this conference, Washington, Pittsburgh, Tampa Bay, Boston, the Islanders would be underdogs. What this trade deadline, the two moves that they made, did was solidify their chances of making the playoffs and probably makes them the favorite to win one round and puts them in a position where they literally are capable, if they play their best hockey, of beating any team in the playoffs. But they're also capable of losing to any team in the playoffs. Right now, the Islanders' fourth place in the Metropolitan Division, seven points behind the Capitals. Islanders have a game in hand. The Penguins are in second place. They are three points ahead of the Islanders, but the Penguins have a game in hand. Flyers with 79 points, two points ahead of the Islanders, but the Islanders have a game in hand. Columbus, one point behind the Islanders, but the Islanders have two games in hand. Carolina, three points behind the Islanders and even in games played. And the Rangers, five points behind the Islanders, even in games played. It's going to be a fun stretch drive. Going to go down to the wire in the Metropolitan Division and in the Eastern Conference. And every game is going to be critical. And of course, we will keep you up to date here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Every weekday, we'll have the latest news analysis and all things New York Islanders for you. And if, by the way, you are looking for a national view of the NHL, go to Locked On NHL and every day our experts here at the Locked On Podcast Network will break down everything happening around the league. More still to come, including this date in Islanders history and our weekly farm report. Lots more to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to February 26th, 1987 at the Nassau Coliseum. Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins going at it. The goaltenders, Pat Riggin for Pittsburgh, Kelly Rudy in between the pipes for the New York Islanders. Islanders break out on top, 5-0-3 into the game. Dale Henry, his second of the year, unassisted. And that gave the Islanders the early lead. But the Penguins battle back in what was a rough and penalty-filled contest. Dan Frawley scores his seventh from Randy Hillier and Dan Quinn. And after 20 minutes, it was all even at one apiece. But the Islanders, in the second period, get the lead. Bob Airy off for interference. And on the power play, Pat LaFontaine, his 27th. From Dwayne Sutter and Gerald Diddick at 10.36. And then a minute and a half later, Mike Bossy, his 32nd from Brian Trottier. And the Islanders had a 3-1 lead. But the Penguins get back in it on a goal by Bob Airy, his 14th from Mario Lemieux at 14.25, a 3-2 hockey game. But the Islanders get a goal from Neil Coulter, his first at 17.15. Islanders led 4-2, but Mario the Magnificent gets one back. His 40th, unassisted at 19.07, and after two periods, the Islanders were holding on to a 4-3 lead. The Islanders added to their lead in the third. Alan Kerr, his fourth goal, also unassisted to make it 5-3. 
And then the Islanders had a chance to add to their lead. Looked like Kerr was going to put one into the net, but the play was broken up as defenseman Randy Hillier dislodged the net before Kerr put the puck home. So Kerr gets a penalty shot. He is not able to convert, and it remained a 5-3 hockey game in the final minute. The Penguins make it close. Randy Cunnyworth is 20th from Dan Quinn and Doug Bodger at 19.07, but Rudy keeps the Penguins off the board after that, and the Islanders hang on for a 5-4 to four vic- uh, victory in this game for the Islanders, by the way. Dwayne Sutter with four shots to lead the way. No multiple point games in this one. And some obscure Islanders getting goals like Alan Kerr, Dale Henry, and Neil Coulter. But overall, a successful win for the Islanders. Rudy with 15 saves to earn the W. Islanders beating the Pittsburgh Penguins 5-4 on this date in Islanders history, February 26th. 1987. All right, time for our weekly farm report as we discuss all things Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Wasn't an easy week for the Sound Tigers, and it was hockey weekend in Connecticut. Last Wednesday, the Sound Tigers fell in a wild and open game to the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Final score, 8-5. to five. five different Sound Tigers had a goal and an assist. Travis St. Denis, Grant Hutton, Otto Koivula, Jeff Kubiak, and Robert Carpenter. The Sound Tigers outshot Lehigh Valley 38-35, but gave up eight goals and lose the hockey game. Then, Saturday, a 5-4 shootout loss to the Hershey Bears. Simon Holstrom scores the goal to send the game to overtime with just two minutes 22 seconds left in regulation. The Sound Tigers, 3-for-3 three three on the power play. Matt Lurito, Oliver Wallstrom, and Colin McDonald, each with power play goals. Parker Weatherspoon with three assists. Cal Clutterbuck and Thomas Hickey both back in the lineup after their injuries, but they did not figure in the scoring. Then Sunday of last week, the Hartford Wolfpack came to Bridgeport and beat the Sound Tigers by a score of 4-1. to one. The only goal in the game for the Sound Tigers, Joshua Hosang, who gave the team a one to nothing lead. Hartford's goal, one even strength, one shorthanded, two on the power play. Jared Carreau with 26 saves. And at the trade deadline, by the way, a trade that affected Bridgeport as Matt Lurito forward traded for defenseman Jordan Schmaltz. So uh, a change in the lineup there. Meanwhile, for the Sound Tigers, uh, a busy weekend coming up ahead. Friday night, a road game at the Springfield Thunderbirds. That's a 7.05 faceoff. Saturday night, February 29th, the Hartford Wolfpack come to Bridgeport as, again, the Rangers and Islanders farm teams go at it. 7 o'clock faceoff there. And then another home game on Sunday, March 1st, 5 o'clock in the evening is the face-off as the Binghamton Devils come to Bridgeport for a busy, to round out a busy, three 
game weekend for the Sound Tigers. So not going great right now for Bridgeport. If you look at the standings, they remain a distant eighth place in the AHL's Atlantic Division. 19-30-7 on the season. Nine points behind Lehigh Valley uh, to try to even climb up to seventh place. So uh, a little bit of a struggle right now for the Sound Tigers, and they hope that they can rebound and bounce back. All right, that is going to do it for us here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Don't forget, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star rating and some comments, a review. It helps us grow the podcast by helping other Islander fans find us when they do uh, a search for podcasts about the Islanders. Helps us grow that Locked On Islanders family. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast. We'll be back tomorrow and every weekday with more of the latest news and analysis about the New York Islanders here on the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.